Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me uh, for some literature? Question mark? Some literary trek? I don't know. It's a comic book review. Spoiler. There you go. It's, it's a comic book. My dear animated friend, Lieutenant Commander David, how the heck are you, my dude? Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, diving, I think, the first time into a, uh, a graphic novel. Graphic it's a graphic novel. novel. Okay. We're not allowed to call it comic book or something? Is that, is that what it is? I, I have no idea. I always thought the graphic novels were like, so you have four issues, and then you get the actual book with all four yeah. issues in one. That's yeah. what I always thought a graphic novel was, but I'm not really a huge comic book guy, so I don't know. Yeah, like, I've heard them, like... Is there a different? Okay, so there's comic books, which like they're like the paper things, right? Yeah. And then, um, uh, you know, graphic novel. I think is like what you're saying, like the whole like story of something like put together. But then I've also heard omnibus. So it's like an omnibus, like or om- omnibus. I don't know how it's pronounced. It's fine. Um, is that like a collection of graphic novels? Oh boy, I, I, you're you're uh, you're saying words that I don't know. Cool, I love it when that happens. <laughs> yeah, no, no idea on that. I, I I just know that I have, I mean, I've went over some comics in the um, in the Star Trek space. Yeah. Um, but that that's really about it. I, I was never a big comic book guy. Uh, growing up just wasn't really my my thing and then really when I was a kid we didn't really have money for that kind of stuff and sure you know so sure I, I can remember my two uh, first like exposures to comic books um, the first time uh, and, and you might be able to appreciate this David since we're of the same age and whatnot but uh, the first time I was like really exposed to comic books was watching Boy Meets World. I think it was like season two or three when Mr. Turner shows up um, on Boy Meets World and he's using comic books to get kids to like talk about social issues and just to read. And Mr. Feeney was having like a really hard time with like having comic books in the classroom. Interesting. Yeah, I I was also not a huge TV watcher as a kid. Okay, so. that's okay. I, I uh, never really never really watched it. Okay. Well, and then um, after I moved to uh, to Michigan, I think it was like within my first year or so there, my my cousin who's about you know two years older than me, uh, he is he, he's an amazing artist and he could like just he could draw Superman and like so many other comic book characters just so well. I mean like really well. And he would buy comic books. And he would, like, let me read some. And I rem- I distinctively remember, like, um, I was 14. So he had to have been, like, 16, maybe close to 17, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he had, like, uh, a couple issues of Deadpool. And, um, wow, Deadpool. Yeah, it's that's, that's a comic book right there. Um, but Deadpool was the very first comic book that I read. And, uh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what the first comic book that's, I read was. So. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> Who knows? You know, um, 
I mean, I did. I mean, I did watch like, in terms of like comic book characters, I did watch like Superman the animated series, Batman the animated series. I'd watch um, like some X Men on like Fox Kids growing up, but in terms of like actually like consuming comic books, it wasn't really a thing for me sure. uh, at all. So it's it's interesting to me that we're we're going to be doing the this comic book series um, like in one shot on this episode. Uh, the last time that I can remember talking comic books was ages ago on this show whenever I was just doing um, this like these Friday things called like TRTV news and I was just giving like little like brief summaries of like the Picard countdown comic for instance and like yeah I guess I was I was wrong didn't we do a Picard comic the Um, one leading up into the first season right or was that a book uh, we did so. I did the comics by myself, but okay. you and I did Last Best Hope, okay. which was the the tie-in novel for the Picard season one. Okay, that that's right. Yeah, no, I, I think I remember we had talked about that maybe the comic, but yeah, we we went over the book. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, like the the comic, the Picard countdown comic. That's where you are first introduced to uh, Laris. By the way, right. right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it did come out like, uh, I think there was like three issues, maybe four issues, and it came out um, just a few months before Picard season one dropped. So that was when did that drop? Was that January of twenty? I want to say. Good a that guess right. as I could give. <laughs> that that sounds right. January of twenty, I think, is when it came out. Um. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, that's. That's that. But we've been on hey, we've been on this um, like strange new worlds kind of kick lately, as we should, right? Because like we're we're in the middle um, of basically yeah, we're we're essentially in the middle, more than halfway through um, of um, the second season of Strange New Worlds. We just did the High Country and got to have like some yeehaw, you know, hey dude, you know, kind of dude ranch kind of stuff going on. <laughs> Boy, all, all the all the interesting references, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And now here we are with um, a little... This is supposed to be a bridge story between season one and season two. And uh, we're just going to kind of jump right into it. So this might be... <laughs> um, I might regret saying this now, but this might certainly be a, a shorter episode, uh, depending. But, I mean, this was a, a pretty quick read. Like, we just got all four four issues consume the heck out of them we didn't do um issue by issue because i believe these actually um unknowing to me came out um a little bit earlier in 2023 um i think they came out we're starting to come out like around january february if i'm not mistaken maybe march mm-hmm. um and the and the run just ended just like a, a month or two ago so um at the time of this recording yeah yeah. Now you you and your brother on your show, um, contingency plan podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars podcast, and uh, whatever else podcast they feel like turning it into, depending on the episode. Um, you all have done uh, comic book reviews yourself. So um, talk to me a little bit about like what your experience has been like with your brother. Kind of talking about like I know you've done like Doctor Afra, I think has been one of them. Some 
Darth Vader stuff and a litany of other things. Like, what's that experience been like for you consuming comic books and, and talking about it? Um, so it really depends on the book. Uh, you know, I started looking into comics really as a filler, kind of a filler thing. Cause I don't know, you, you know how times change and everything, but there was a real golden time where there was all of this really good stuff coming out and a lot of like new stuff that was just, it was exciting at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the problem I have with comics is that they're normally pretty short and I kind of like to get the entire story in my hands. So when you have something serialized over, I don't know, I, gosh, I think the original Afro run was something, I don't, I don't know, like 50, 60 something issues, you know? Wow. And then, you know, now we have a new Afro run, a new Star Wars mainline run, a new Vader line. Like they've rebooted this stuff. And that's the other kind of thing. Comics get rebooted. And you see this with like Marvel and DC where, you know, you have so many different interpretations of the same character. Some are in like a canonical kind of umbrella and then others aren't. Um, you know, there, like, for example, Batman, mm-hmm. there's a Batman that is basically like, a, 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 I don't know, a cross between Batman and the Joker. There's a Batman who laughs. Huh. And it's like, it's insane. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it really depends on the story, though. You know, because most of the Marvel labeled um, Star Wars books are can be interesting but it really depends on the story like uh, there was one uh, Vader's castle it was kind of like a like a spooky Halloween kind of thing with Vader on Mustafar and his castle escape from the castle were there any Um, trick-or-treaters no wasn't that like that crazy but it was kind of a it was kind of fun it was a fun little four issue run i think it was four issues it was short and then they had another another run but i'll I'll tell you that the one thing that um that does kind of take me out of it a bit is they just keep coming (laughs) it's really hard to talk about an entire storyline when it's just so vast um, yeah. but there's good nuggets that can come out of a comic book. There's good stories that can be told in there. I like art. So some of the art stuff can be really fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know, I know me and my brother, we, we talked about a couple, uh, but when you start going down that road and if you're not diligent, you just wind up just plowed with comics. Like you are just so far yeah. behind. And that's how we got, and that's why we kind of stopped talking comics because it was just too—it was too hard to keep up with. And these things yeah. are usually between four and six dollars a piece, too. So you're spending right. four to six bucks, sometimes every week, sometimes every other week, every three weeks, depending on release schedule. Right. And uh, it's—it's it's not exactly wholly cost-effective either if you want the actual physical books. Because I, I actually want the paper. I don't want to read it online i know some people are cool with that but i actually like to hold the thing in my hand so yeah i mean we're we're 
of that age, we're the elder millennials, where we still kind of like have one foot in technology and one foot in the past. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, but we I, call that the best of both worlds, Chase. Ooh, I see what you did there. Look at that, man. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I, I personally would rather have a a hard copy myself rather than like using like an app. I mean, nothing against like you know the the readers out there, like the the e-readers out there. Um, yeah, there, there's a market for them. And if honestly, if push comes came to shove, like I would do that. Um, I remember when, what was it like the the two uh, last Avenger movies that were coming out. Um, what was that? Infinity War and um, Endgame. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? I was, think was, so. I think that was, yeah, that sounds like it. Yep. Um, I wanted to read like the source material. I could not find like the Infinity Gauntlet series and whatever else like for a reasonable price or just in general. So I got like a comic app and I was able to get it for free by virtue of being a member of a certain thing so um i mean that was that was fine but i wouldn't want to do that for every single comic well you know what that that's a good point because with a book you tend to get reprints and reprints and reprints and all that sort of stuff but in a comic line you might not necessarily get a bunch of reprints you know not in perpetuity so to speak you might get a couple of covers, you know, an A, B, C, D, triple D, you know, cover or whatever. But then when it stops, you got to rely on that secondary secondary market like hardcore. And sometimes that's not what you want to do. I found these pretty easy, right. um, you know, for the most part. You obviously sent me issue four, which thank you for that. But, you know, I, I found the other three yeah. pretty decently and they're they're nice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, ha- I think we might have like similar covers, um, and I promise, gang, we will actually get to the story here in a moment, but um, for issue one, I actually have cover B, uh, which is uh, okay. Pike kind of doing like the Riker maneuver a little bit um, on, for my cover. Uh, what, did you get um, A, so B, C? I, I, got, I got cover A's for all of them, so it, it has oh, nice. sort of the entire cast with the Enterprise in it. That pretty pretty okay. nice A cover, yeah, and I and I have A covers for issues two, three, and four as well. Very cool. So yeah, issue two has um, Una looking all search for Spockish. <laughs> um, we have some like you know double helix stuff going on with um, issue three with Mbanga, Ortegas, Uhura, Spock, and Pike. That actually might be my favorite cover of the four, though. Oh yeah. I kind of like that cover. It's, it's neat. It, it weirdly enough, not in much experience I have. It doesn't feel to me like an A cover. I I, I would agree with that. Yeah. But I like it. You know, looking at it, I mean, granted, I have B for issue one, but like all of them, except for three, are dark. Three is very colorful and vibrant. Yeah, exactly. For you know, for cover A. And yeah, I agree. This would probably look better, or not look better, but it would probably be more consistent with like a, a B or a C or a whatever kind of cover. There's one out there that I found on, um, I think it was eBay, and it has the uh, the cast or like the cover with like has Pike drawn in lower deck style for one of the covers. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny one. 
that's that's weird right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> that was odd. But, um, but yeah, like um, well, I mean, since we're talking about it right now, um, do you want to go ahead and just talk about art for for the the comics? Yeah, sure. Why not? Kind of a bonus too here. The uh, last couple pages yep. of each of these had uh, some some additional art in them, which was cool. Yeah, I think it was all the all the, um, all the covers. Yeah, which I don't know if like I'm if this was the intent or not. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but on issue uh, one, the the I think it's the second to last. Am I right? Yeah, the about second the, to the, last the Leon, one. Leona Kangas cover that was green. Yes. It like kind of looks like uh, Jeffrey Hunter and Anson Mount kind of like amalgamated together. <laughs> I could see for that, Pike. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, green green in Disney means evil. Green in Star Wars, or Star Trek, excuse me, in Star Trek usually means like Romulans or, some, or, or right. you know, I guess even Klingons to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I think of the covers that I have and, like, what I'm actually looking at, um, to me, like, it's a tie between um, issue one and issue four for my personal favorite uh, with, I think, issue one kind of uh, taking it by the nose in terms of winning it. But... Um, th- this is some beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, I like the, um, I do like the Angel Hernandez um, art mm-hmm. um, there in issue two, uh, where it's kind of like, you know, they're traveling at warp or whatever. Yeah, that one's neat. That was a very neat one. But I know what your favorite one is, Chase. You really like in uh, from issue three the Andy Price cover. Oh, do I, huh? <laughs> Make sure. Can I have my chair back, please? <laughs> well, you, you you have Pike and basically like the uh, the the Kirk, the kind of Kirk. Uh, green tunic. Yeah, yeah, green tunic there. That was mm. that was a very interesting one. I'm not quite sure if it was confused or if that was intentional. Well, I mean, like they have it with the updated, you know, Delta for the the belt wraparound thing. Yeah. Like he like he had in um the first season. <laughs> very interesting. Man. <clears throat> and uh, let's just look real quick at um I guess issue four's art as well. Um, I like the. I, like, I do like. Oh, sorry. The Aaron Harvey one's pretty cool. Yep. Just about to say, it's kind of like it's kind of retro, you know. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of almost like like Transformers. Yeah. You know, just just that qu- kind of interesting color pop and the Illyrian Enigma font in yellow is is kind of it's kind of cool. I actually, I actually wouldn't have minded that cover at all. That's kind of a neat one. The, the one that confuses me for, like, the I guess these other alternative uh, covers would have been the uh, Mark um, Alvarado one. Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Well, Chapel, we didn't really... I mean, she was in the comic, but she wasn't really a focal point in the comic. Um, you know, and maybe it's just 
somebody just wanted to really do an art piece with her, maybe. As far as a cover, maybe not necessarily, you know, the most interesting cover, but as an art piece, you know, I mean, it's it's very white. <laughs> yes. Blindingly white. <laughs> Blindingly white, man. No, but the, uh, the one by um, Rachel Stott, Ra- Rachel Stott, that one's pretty cool. Right next to the, the chapel one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is that is interesting. And I, I think, honestly, I think one of the, the things that I both enjoy, don't enjoy, and then sometimes poke fun at is artist interpretations of characters and how they they mold because like i think anson mount has a pretty recognizable face Mm -hmm. Uh, actually i think a lot of our cast do i think um and then you just sort of see some of their their style because that anson mount to me doesn't really look like anson mount you know that pike on four the the rachel scott one oh rachel Scott one okay yeah or stott yeah um doesn't really it's it's like it's kind of pike adjacent you know sure. but it, it, yeah it, it looks like more like chris pine it looks like chris pine doing an impression of anson mount go. as pike i yeah i think that's i think that's a good way to put it but artist interpretation is important and some people see different things as they're going through that process nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that but i have seen some truly interesting comic book art renditions that just make mm-hmm. me giggle a bit <laughs> Well, I think that's partly why I like one, like cover B the most. Like it looks so much like Anson Mount. I think it does. It really does. Um, and I think like the ne- of of the ones like I said that I have. I think um, the issue four cover cover A is probably the second closest um, to actually looking like Anson Mount. But like three, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's it's art. It's up for interpretation, like you were saying. Um, the I, I really like the color palette um, throughout um, all four issues of this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very well done. Um, <clears throat> especially when we um, we'll talk about it, but when we get to like this little flashback, hoodoo, something or another, uh, I really like the choice of colors there too. Yeah. Um, but it reminded me. A little bit of, um, and it, it, this might be like a minor spoiler in a way for a different franchise, but it reminded me of a planet that you go to in a certain Star Wars game called Jedi Survivor. Mm-hmm. So, like, the, it just reminded me of it a little bit in, in a very minimal kind of way. But anyway, um, anything else you want to chit chat about before we dive into a story? No, I think we can. I think we can get in the story here. Okay. So, um, all right, gang. Well, we are going to talk about um, uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds comic book series, The Illyrian Enigma. Um, so this is not spoiler free. Uh, so if you have not read it, pause it right now. Go pick it up, however you want to read it, and then come back and press pause. Uh, if you don't care, keep on listening. That's cool too. Um, like we said, this is a four-issue series, and this takes place between season one and season two of Strange New Worlds. 
And um, I personally like the um, the log that starts this off. I don't know if I really want... Ah, I'm going to read it, because why not? Um, so it's just setting the stage. Personal log, Captain Christopher Pike. I'm a long way from Montana. And the day I decided to return the Enterprise, so much has happened since then that I scarcely believe it myself. Everyone on board has faced their own challenges, and together we've shared the greatest grief. And there's a shot of Hammer in that for that particular line. Uh, throughout it all, we've become family. But now that family is missing one of its own, Commander Uno Chin Riley, uh, my first officer, is under arrest. Uh, Starfleet expects me to carry on with our next mission as if nothing happened. They really should know me better than that. I don't hesitate to remind them. And um, from there, it's uh, we start off... Um, I mean, we're really getting into the action pretty darn quick. Uh, we have like a little um, chat with... Um, um, Admiral April uh, about why they're not doing anything about this Una thing and um, they're basically like she made her bed she's got to lay in it sort of thing um, oh by the way I'm going to send you on this mission to some like random part to kind of keep y'all like out of trouble um, delivering like what hygienic type stuff like I, I i interpreted it as like porta potties for some yeah reason. it was like waste disposal stuff so yeah, yeah it did kind of sound like some porta johns <laughs> yeah so and you know pike's not too happy about that and um he's like i'm he's like fine whatever and um along the way it's like screw it let's just let's just do our own thing essentially we need to like get to the bottom of this to kind of clear her name and that um sends us on this adventure of trying to find like Illyrian colonies and learning more about Illyrian stuff in general. Um, this story just goes by way too fast, in my yeah. opinion. Way too fast. Uh, <clears throat> so we we get to it. We, we're, we're just flying around. We, we're moving and grooving and stuff. And um, we... We get in contact. Uh, we, we go to this place, which we think is like um, an Illyrian colony, colony. Correct me if I'm wrong, David. Mm -hmm. And um, this is where we're greeted by this dude who is Illyrian. Um, and we're kind of concerned because the last time that um, Starfleet or, or early Starfleet, like Archer time, um, came across Illyrians, they kind of store, stole a warp coil. And we really haven't done much in the way of talking to him since. So it's like, ugh, do we really want... Okay, fine, let's do this. Well, kind of. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because we, we, we've obviously had more with Illyrians since then. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> anyway, I, I, I it felt more like a... I really want to include something from Enterprise in here. So, I'm okay with that. I'm always okay with including Enterprise. Yeah, it it, it was it was it was kind of nice. One one thing just not not to backtrack a little bit, but if I would not have started watching season 2 and just going based upon this story, I would have started to get a little bit uh worried for April. It's like, are they gonna force this guy? <laughs> they gonna Admiral force this guy? <laughs> you know, just, mm -hmm. just, just because when you get like this 
overt helpfulness because there was it it wound up it it it, it appears to be sort of an overt help but i'm not going to tell you exactly what to do but i still kind of got your back we don't like helpful admirals Mm-mm. <laughs> we really don't we wind up killing them off in some way shape or form you're right but yeah anyway we yeah uh governor to kill and the Priella colony. Yes. Um, yeah, we we basically say, hey, sorry that we were kind of jerks back in the day, like hoping we can, you know, break bread and maybe start to mend some fences, essentially, um, so we can learn more about you, you learn more about us, and, you know, all the other hippie stuff, basically. Yeah. And um, we come to find out we like hey let's let's like meet up in like a little while i think is like the general idea and um turns out brother man's not even there he's like elsewhere like they've done like some weird like pinging of signals and messages and stuff like that's all over the friggin place yeah which which ahura basically susses out real early real quick yeah and uh <clears throat> pike is still like at one point, like Pike goes back to his quarters and he's like, you know, reflecting and contemplating a variety of things. Um, and we ultimately, um, like track the dude down to this planet that has, or this moon. It's, it's like a planet or a moon. I can't remember what it was, but it's got like these like asteroid security kind of things. So it makes it look like it's like a, like a, a belt, much like uh, like Saturn yeah. or yeah. Uh, Uranus, you know, stuff like that would have, but it's just it's it's there. It's artificial. It's a security system around this planet, this place that um, Dekil is in. Yeah, ba- basically a rehash of booby trap. Yep. Yep, and that is um, that's the end of <laughs> the first issue. Yeah. Yep, pretty quick. Let's go, de- let's go deliver some Porta Johns and say hello to some Illyrian dude. Um, <clears throat> so in in starting, um, this is something I, I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, I think it was um, the second and third issue that both start out with Spock. So Spock is definitely in this. Both of both issue two and three start out with Spock having some kind of log at the beginning of these issues. Maybe, I don't know. It, I just thought that was interesting that he started out both issues. Well, they're, um, they're, yeah. really, they're really hammering down on his uh, his anxiety that he's having. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. We really haven't dealt a ton with that so far in this season of Strange New Worlds, but I know obviously it was kind of a bigger thing season one, towards the end of season one. So... He's worried that people are going to see, even though everybody's like, man, that guy, ice cold. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so we're, we're being attacked by these rock sentry kind of things that are, you know, orbiting this planet. And, uh, you know, Ortegas is needing to, you know, basically get us out of a jam much like she always does uh, with her font, her piloting and stuff. 
Um, oh, and one thing that uh, we did kind of like I skipped over, so that's my bad. But um, Spock has been named um, the acting uh, first officer until uh, we somehow get Una back yep. um, on the Enterprise. So there's that. Um, <clears throat> so we're still doing the thing, and we finally um, uh, have like a ship that um, comes out of nowhere and starts to attack us, and we fire on it, and um, to kill is uh, at one point saying, lucky hit Enterprise, lucky enough that I'm willing to discuss a ceasefire for now. <laughs> yeah, not not, not so lucky at all. He, he Basically a pretty inferior ship to the Enterprise. But, uh, hey, we did science our way out of our predicament, though. Um, I don't know. Ki- kind of booby-trappy. <laughs> Reversing the shield harmonics and then, you know, yep. quick jump out. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, old old to kill and his his little ship. They're they're not they're, they're not they're not very good. <laughs> they're not very good, are they? Not 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 really. Not really. No. <laughs> no. Um, so we do meet up with this dude, um, and we we do have a little chit chat, um, kind of talking about the situation about Una being Illyrian and um, just trying to like build common ground essentially, uh, with all this. <clears throat> and at the, in, in terms of the talking, um, Pike at one point, um, in one of the panels says, I need to know if there's any information from your people that could help Una. And this is like where things start to, uh, get kind of, I don't know, sideways, mm-hmm. um, with the meeting. Um, he's just being, Dekill's being kind of cryptic and kind of not volunteering information very easily. And um, uh, basically talking about how there's this planet, by the way, that um, you can basically die in like five seconds as soon as you get there. Yeah, the original Lyrian homeworld, potentially. Yeah. yeah, this potential Lyrian homeworld will just like eat you alive basically because like you just don't have like the genetics the whatever to be able to um, survive it to traverse it sort of thing and um, oh by the way Pike bye bye we're beaming you out of here yeah and we're going to warp type of thing um, they and stole Spock, Spock and they stole Spock they freaking um, the most toised him you know what they should have called the third issue the search for Spock. Ah, right. <laughs> That'd have been something, actually. But it's the third issue that I don't know if I'm ready for. Yeah. <laughs> so Pike ends up on the back on the Enterprise on the bridge, um, just as Erica is sitting in the chair. Like, wait, was I not supposed to sit in the chair? Yeah. <laughs> um. So. The, the Illyrian ship with Dekil, um, they end up, you know, warping out, and we're trying to figure out, like, can we follow them? Can we uh, get a warp trace and, and whatnot? And um, at that moment, elsewhere, Dekil is, um, you know, kind of having his, like, megalomaniacal kind of, like, master plan kind of conversation with Spock, and they're the way that the issue ends, it makes it look like they've turned him into a zombie. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So something, something sinister. I, w- I want to just brief question here because I, I think it's used more as a plot mover than anything else. Warp tracing. So you can go their last known heading, right? Mm-hmm. And we've heard a bunch of different things in the show, like you know their ion trail or hey, they're leaking something and we're going to find them and all this stuff. But how easy is it to just follow a ship that's went into warp? Because conceivably it could go anywhere. doesn't really matter their heading necessarily. Does it? Because it could be adjusted. It's not a straight line. It doesn't have to be a straight line necessarily. No, or it could stop and go the entire different direction. Space is just that. It's, it's infinite. It's, it's right. not, one, I'm not one way. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know like all the ins and outs of like warp theory or anything like that, but um, I mean, I do know that like following and like trying and extrapolating someone's warp trail is certainly a thing that's been well established within Star Trek lore. Uh, I mean, like it's happened, you know, I, I don't know how many times, but it's it's been like a device that's been used in a variety of the a variety of TV shows, and I think even. Maybe one of the movies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I just find like a warp trace to be an interesting, interesting phrase, mm-hmm. in, in a way, because it's like okay, extrapolating their potential course or something. I get that. I mean, that would that makes sense. I've, we've heard that a lot, but just nah, you, we put the tracker on them. We're gonna we're gonna find them with the <laughs> tracker. Right. Right. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> I forgot that space was an infinite, finite space. It's it's a bubble. There's an end of space. Space is flat, Chase, and you should know that. Mm. It's a bubble. We live in a bubble. Live in a bubble. It's a big a bubble within a bubble within a bubble. It's fine. Oh boy. So issue three, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the search for Spock, or Spock gets naked. Yes. Someone this, had a good time with that, huh? Oh my gosh. Like, I opened issue three and I'm like, I can't unsee this. I can't. <laughs> He's this just weird. Rock, Chase. It can't hurt. Well, you. like, the thing is, like, you know, okay, like, at the end of issue two, like, when we see, you know, the shot of Spock and, like, something's happened to him. Yep. The first thing that came to mind was like what happened um, <clears throat> on Romulus, right? With the um, like in Nemesis. Yeah, right. Uh, where like they all like turned to stone, type of thing, and like they just kind of like crumbled or whatever. Like with the Thaleron radi- radiation thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. It, you know, we we had kind of joked around or or tried to extrapolate a little bit about. Like, so what was Una's genetic modification? And I'm actually starting to wonder if it was like <laughs> just looking human because these Illyrians don't look like just normal humans, right? So maybe that's part of it. And then she glows. But apparently they have the ability to turn you into a rock, like a, a rock golem, you know? Yeah. yeah. So could they also turn you into other could, could we like legitimately get the x-men like here's here's 
Here's the Fire thing. Guy and Iceman and. <laughs> is Spock an X Men now? I mean, we're, we're reading a comic, dude. Could we get dude. somebody with claws like Wolverine? Let's go, <laughs> dude. Can you imagine like having like uh, Pike or Kirk, Picard, going through the Weapon X program? getting adamantium like grafted to their body like with retractable claws let's do it and that's why T real great and hot and that's why Patrick Stewart even today still has biceps that's <laughs> because right. he went through the weapon he wasn't <laughs> Professor X after all he was just Wolverine he is Logan just old <laughs> oh, lord. oh lord so anyway Stone Spock Stone or stoned? Both. I don't know. Cool. He can't feel anything, so it could be both. Yeah, so DeKill is, like, wanting to get, like, some secrets. Like, deep-held secrets, like, unearthed from this planet. This, like, old Illyrian planet colony thing. Mm -hmm. And there's this random statue, right? On this, like, desert wasteland... Of a of a setting, and it's Vulcan. It's a right. random Vulcan statue. Yeah. Wonder how that got there. <laughs> See, th this this is the kind of spot where sometimes comics start to lose me just a little bit. Because this is kind of. No, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just thinking like. In just a few pages, like, to kill is going to be like he's wasting time. He's just staring at the statue. He's not. He's not going to be a stone forever. He's not going to last forever, man. So, if the atmosphere and just the setting in general is so dangerous, it's so um, antagonistic. I think would probably be a good word. Yeah. Um, how has this statue not? eroded comic logic I mean I, I, I agree I mean it uh, I don't know it doesn't affect rocks apparently just uh, people yeah okay well rock uh, um, rock Spock looks like Colossus and the rock thing Spock? like rock, rock talk yeah man <laughs> You like that? <laughs> yeah, so Rock Spock looks like the love child between the Thing and Colossus. Um, yeah. In in this um, issue of the comic. But, um, yeah, so they're on Illyria. And um, Spock at one point says, I don't recognize the face on the statue. I sense that it's not meant as a tribute, but as a warning. Dun, dun, dun. And... Um, Anyway, he finally wanders into, like, this, um, like, not pyramid, but it's like this, like, like ancient, like, Egyptian-esque kind of door. Um, and then, like, weird science type stuff. Like, he gets troned. He got, and he got troned. He got troned. <laughs> and he wakes up um, basically having his own inner light kind of moment living the life of um, this long dead and seemingly forgotten Vulcan 
um, on this on the Illyrian homeworld a long time ago in the same galaxy that is not far away. Yeah, he's he's living the life of Scalin. Yeah, Scalin, Scalin, I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, yeah. Scalin sounds good. Well, they ride saber-toothed tigers, so he's pretty they do. pretty BA. Yeah, man. Yeah. So this is the part I, I was talking about earlier. So for anyone that's played um, Jedi Survivor, um, the newest um, Jedi, Jedi game on um, you know Steam, PS5, or Xbox Series X or S, um, the the setting just reminds me of the last planet that you go to in the game, and I will not name it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone that hasn't played it yet. But it reminds me so much of that planet; it's like not even funny. Um, but like, is it just me, dude? But like, um, you know, the, the page right next to uh, where they're riding the saber-toothed dogs, there's like the dude, the Illyri- seemingly an Illyrian with like this kind of Viking braid beard thing, right? In the top panel, doesn't he look kind of Klingon to you? Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I can I can see what you what you mean there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the Illyrians we're finding out in like this flashback, inner light kind of thing experience that's going on, that Vulcans of that era were invited to Illyria to kind of hang out with uh, with the Illyrian people, and there's um. Um, you know, like the atmosphere, like we know, um, is not survivable. Yeah, that, that, that sounds right. Yeah. Which we don't. So, we don't actually learn why. Right. It's just. It's just a thing. And the Vulcans are kind of thinking about, like, hey, we can help you out this way, maybe. And um, it's kind of left that way. Um, so in, we get down to this bottom panel on that next page from when I was talking about that Klingon looking dude, uh, where it's like Spock as Scalin saying, the technology inside the temple of Illyria appears to have implanted this recorded memory into my consciousness. But why was this encounter never recorded in Vulcan history? Interesting. So, um, we're finding out, I'm just going to kind of skip over some of like the intercut kind of stuff. Um, but we're, we're finding like this atmospheric change you spoke of can provide more details. We have more data that we can give you. Um, here's it's like some kind of like antidote to kind of help um, you survive this. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, um, but essentially we're, we're going to come to the conclusion that the Vulcans, in essence created the Illyrians as we know them today. Yeah, kind of an interesting twist on things, I guess. Um, I mean, we know we know the Vulcans had a, you know, a pretty volatile past before they embraced the the logical side of their being and purging their emotions and the teachings of Surak and all that stuff. But we always knew that they were violent and warlike. This, I'll just say this, it seems a bit odd that 
you know, such a volatile species was so, uh, I don't know. What's the word sinister? Cause yeah, it made me, it, it made them seem more like they were just basically barbarians. And, and now it's not just our barbarians. They're kind of actually evil. Yeah. And I don't, I guess I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. I don't get yeah. that. Yeah. They were, yeah, they were kind they were, they were unified by the teachings of Sirach, like with, like logic and like the purging of emotions and like the colonar kind of stuff, which we've been exposed to at different points in, in the different iterations of Trek. But yeah, this is like some weird, like, this is like, hmm, do I want to say it? This is like almost on the same level as like Tuskegee Airmen, like experiment or the, like Tuskegee experiment type mm, stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like let's let's give them this stuff and let's see what happens. Right. Like highly unethical experimentation that's taking place um, at the hands of Vulcans. Well, it literally, you know, they they turned some of these Illyrians into literal like sci-fi monsters. They did. They did. Um so yeah, I'm I'm jumping ahead, but like you know, Pike, you know he Pike and, and crew, they've been able to kind of like trace like where to kill and Spock went. They find out it is like the Illyrian homeworld and whatnot. They get there. You're not going to survive, Pike. By the way, you're going to like die within five minutes. Then I guess I got five minutes to do my thing. Yeah. Cool. Classic. Right. Um. So we see Spock coming out of his like lived experience avatar state thing collapsed right outside the temple or outside the ziggurat or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, Pike it just happens to be there to get in the heck out of Dodge and there's a kyber crystal that he's holding in his hand saying that there are answers on this thing yes and that's the kyber crystal <laughs> freaking kyber crystal I don't know. It's a crystal-looking thing, guys. It looks like a kyber crystal to me. It's a kyber crystal. It's okay. Yeah. It can be what it is. What what color do you think Spock's kyber crystal would be? Yellow. You think he'd be yellow? Or red. Probably mm. yellow. Orange? Purple. Orange might be good. Yeah, orange might be a good bridge there. Okay, okay. Not fully, not for evil purposes. Just you know, there's there's yellows and oranges on Vulcan. I, I feel like it'd be one of those colors. <laughs> all right, so we're we're down to the final issue in all this, and uh, Spock wakes up in sick bay to the love of his life um, greeting him, all fuzzy and stuff. Wow, wow, that was not Uhura. Okay. <laughs> It all depends on what timeline you look at. That's true. That's true. Um, All right. So Spock hands over the crystal. Pike's looking at the thing. And um, uh, Pike's not too happy with to kill for all the, you know, smoke and mirror, cloak and dagger kind of nonsense that was taking place. Rightfully so. I mean, he just literally kidnapped one of his senior officers for crying out loud. Uh, to try and 
do sinister question mark stuff. Yeah, he wanted to figure something out, I guess, but... Which isn't really resolved. Yeah. I don't know how resolved it actually was. That's the thing. Right. Um, so, we're... We know that, um, you know, this this dude that he was just living his life as was never recorded in Vulcan history for some reason. Um... And, oh, I'm lost now. Um, and we go, we do end up going to um, this colony, if I'm remember, remembering right. We go to this colony. We go to Vulcan. I'm sorry, yes, I'm sorry. We go to Vulcan, and um, we're greeted by this, you know, ornery old Vulcan woman um, who doesn't like guests, like basically on her, you know, farm homestead. Kind of thing, right? Right. And, um, like, you should go this way. You should do this. And um, there's, like, uh, what is it? Like, there's, like, this, uh, looks like a lazy Susan kind of thing, like, that's in her um, in her hut. Yeah, it's, like, some, some trippy, advanced, like, holodeck thingy where you just... Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that maybe this is like this guy's Katra. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been kind of hidden away. It's in like the way that it it's, it looks in the comic book. It's like the loading area in the Matrix. Like it's just like this big old white room. Yeah. And you can uh, take the blue pill and continue on, or you can take the red pill and like see. hear my story, bro. Welcome to my testament, bruh. <laughs> Make sure to support me on Patreon. <laughs> we're gonna, uh, we're gonna leave. That's fine. It's fine. Um. So yeah, we're we're learning about this dude, and um, this is where he says, um, I knew Sirak, and he was the one that kind of helped me out, but um, we can. But he says that. Vulcans of that era consider themselves to be gods, and they were just doing whatever they want wanted. Which I, you know, I think Archer would have appreciated hearing that. Yeah, he, he probably would have. <laughs> he probably would. Well, he dealt with enough Vulcan crap though, too. He really did. You know, before they sort of changed over to the somewhat more pacifistic society that mm-hmm. became later, but. But no, I mean, I, I, I think to get to one of the bigger points, though, like, I do kind of understand how this becomes like an in quotations defense for Una, because it's not like the Illyrians chose this; it was done for them. The Vulcans made them this way, which does not track with the show. It doesn't track with anything. I'm, I mean, I. IWD, I don't think anything IWD is particularly canon for most mediums, but I I could see that as a defense. Like, look, she's hiding something that was never her fault. Her, Her people didn't choose this. Now, whether now maybe they did continue the tradition, but it wasn't theirs to begin with. So I understand that it just doesn't track for. Mm-hmm. 
and, and this is the part to your point dude where um where he's saying um what's the guy's name again one more time dick hill no 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 the other guy Oh, what was it, Scallon or something? Scallon, like thank you, yeah. Where he's saying, you know, we Vulcans came to Illyria in the guise of helpers. Mm. We knew their planet was facing ecological ruin, and so we endeavored to aid them through the modification of their genetic structure, but in truth we considered ourselves gods and the Illyrians the inferior beneficiaries of our genius. The results were unexpected. Yeah, like they turned into kind of like creepy things yep. from like stranger things yep. basically we gathered our data and left the planet to its fate there were new worlds to discover to toy with to ruin such was the Vulcan way before the rise of Surak as the years passed my illusions faded I was beset by doubt so yeah there's like at least some kind of remorse that Scallon is kind of experiencing it seems mm-hmm. um but yeah, Pike is now kind of stuck in this like um, debacle of like, what do I do with this information now? Do I say something or do I like let it ride, basically? Yep. Well, it's interesting. He leaves it up to to kill, effectively, who's like one guy. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to say, nope, we're not going to use this at all because this one guy told us that no. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds logical. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, to kill you. I got me. You yeah. got me again. So this is the part of the comic as we're wrapping this, this up where Pike is basically doing what um, Cisco was doing in the episode in the pale moonlight <laughs> where he's you know talking to the camera doing like a log and um, it's a it's a supplemental captain's log he says I don't like it what we discovered should be known not just by the Federation but by the Illyrians who are we to decide if they know the truth about their own past I don't like it but I'll heed Spock's advice. There's more to learn. Until we do, it's a truth Spock and I are keeping to ourselves. Computer, delete supplemental log. Can I live with it? I can live with it. <laughs> Honestly, that's one of my favorite. That's, that is one of my favorite DS9 episodes. Yeah. I really do like that episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we get the, we get the Port of John's. To the place they need to go. And April's like, what took so long, dude? You okay? Just following up on a hunch. Turned out to be nothing, dude. Cool. The end. Yep. So. Well, we we get drinks after work, too, with, you know. Yes, we do. Ortegas and Chapel and Ahura. Yeah, just, just a few. Um. So yeah, um, that was it. Um, those four issues, um, pretty like I said, pretty quick read. I read this, I read all four issues in about half an hour. Yep, it was a quick read, very, very quick read. Um, so if you're into something, you like want to read something, you want to do it quick, get a quick story out of it. Cool. Uh, this would probably be 
one that you could knock out with very with with great ease. So, yeah. um, I'm not 100 percent sure how to rate a comic book, um, but I guess if we kind of stick with like the same rating system we do for books, like out of five, like five stars or whatever, um, that's that's fine. Um, Let me before now. Now I'm thinking of this. Before we get to like the actual rating of this, would you have preferred to have seen this adapted into an episode of Strange New Worlds? Uh, no, because the story doesn't make enough sense. I mean, it could be. Sure, mm-hmm. but should it be? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've already. I mean, I said it like in um, the you know the season premiere, but I wasn't too crazy about the broken circle. I thought it was a really weak opener, and I think that could have easily been like you know maybe like with a little bit of massaging. Like, of course, you have like the laon. Thing that you had to like figure out how to get her back on the ship, right? But that could have, you know, that, you could have done that a million different ways. I would think. Um, I think it would have been interesting to kind of have this as like maybe a, a, um, a maybe a premiere, like with like some tweaking and stuff, like especially setting up what happens, you know, next in Ad Astra per Aspera, mm-hmm. for crying out loud. I think. I mean, I wouldn't want it to like go down the trail of becoming like serialized because I know like Strange New Worlds is intended to be like an episode of the week it's like self-contained kind of thing like it was like with the original series what I would say is I I think you're right that you could have done a much better series opener mm-hmm. I wouldn't have had a problem with maybe like the Enterprise trying to go through a lead that might provide something but for me instead of coming to a conclusion like we did in the comic I think it would have been better if it came to no conclusion at all like a a wild goose chase so it's like at the end of it, it it sets up the secondary the second episode better where we have a happy ending so sure. it's like sorry Una we weren't able to we weren't able to find anything but i do have your lawyer buddy here with you and we're we're going to we're going to make it work and then you have the you know the courtroom episode where you have everything just climaxing there and you get her back mm-hmm. i just don't get the premise you know i it's a weird dig at vulcans to me mm-hmm. but i think i think an actual adventure would have been interesting for sure. I'm just, you know, I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't more angst, you know, with the, like with what happened with Archer and crew. And I realized that was like about a century earlier. Right. But like, why wasn't there more like you stranded innocent people for like your own personal gain? Like granted, it was like a noble thing, like from, our perspective but still like you pissed off an entire species of people by doing that i think it's just time though 
like how much time has passed, right? Right. So I, I don't, I, even when it came to that line, I thought that it felt out of place because clearly the Federation has had more contact with Illyrians. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, we talked about the colony in which Una was brought up in. Known Illyrians, and then they were segregated and all this stuff. We, we, we know that we have these sort of things already. Sure. So to get hung up on a one thing that happened however many years ago, I mean, how long ago would that have been? Like roughly, do you think? I mean, I would guess. Well, I would probably guess around ninety years. Okay. Yeah, for me, I think that that's just like a water under the bridge, and you got to move on to other things. If you're going to have a conflict, maybe it's about, you know, the way the Federation has legitimately treated Illyrians. <laughs> so. Hmm. <coughs> well. I guess um, with that, I mean, do you do you have any more like comments or thoughts before we do uh, like evaluate this this um, comic book series? No, I don't think so. Okay. So um, so yeah, like on a scale of one to five, uh, five being uh, the best and one being the worst. Um, what are you thinking, man? Um, okay, so. It, it was, you know, it was an interesting story, I suppose. Um, short, classic kind of comic thing. Uh, I guess from the the micro standpoint, the artwork was great. It, it didn't seem uh, rushed or, you know, blurred or, you know, just downgraded like sometimes you'll see. So I appreciated that. Uh, I think that they took a lot of time to really consider what they were putting on the page. The dialogue was, I mean, I think it was really good because sometimes you'll get like terrible dialogue in comics, terrible dialogue. So I thought the dialogue was good. I think the story was sussed out pretty well throughout the four issues. Um, you know, comic book pacing wise, I think it was, it was just fine. Um, I, I find the premise a little bit harder to believe, and I kind of feel like we also had this want to tie in other things because this is basically, and Chase, you might have to help me with this, but there was there was an episode of Next Gen where, like, Picard's uh, archaeology mentor came, and they were they were chasing down all that genetic code and wound up learning that the entire galaxy was basically made by one you know, race of people that kind of resembled, you know, the, the changelings because it was that one actress who played the, the person. But anyway, so it was kind of, kind of almost like a, a branch of that too. So I kind of feel like, you know, whoever storyboarded this might have got into the syndrome of trying to put too much Star Trek in Star Trek at times, but you know, it, it was it was well structured. It wasn't it wasn't a bad comic, and I didn't have a bad time reading it. It was just short, and uh, and effectively a non sequitur in the in the entire course of what we're doing here because it didn't really matter uh, in the grand scheme of the story. It didn't provide technically a major resu- uh, resolution or something or a result that was just oh my god, I can't, my mind's blown. So it was fine and for a fine comic you know something that 
is just a pleasant little read if you want a little bit more strange new worlds I think I would probably be somewhere in the range of a gosh this is this is where it gets kind of tough because I'm kind of like I don't really think it deserves a like a four so I'm gonna give it a 3.9 okay all right so the thing that really got me in in terms of you know how the story ended was part I, I was partly allowing my experience of watching at Aspera Paraspera kind of color some things for me and just like the weightiness of what Pike and Spock know you know at the end of this book it kind of makes it a little bit better in a way for me with Ad Astra Paraspera. Um, like, if this is in fact canon, which, to my understanding, this is supposed to be, you know, like a bridge between season one and season two, um, and it's it's got Kristen Beyer as one of, like, the credits for, like, the story of this, by the way. Um, so there's that. But, like, just the fact that Pike and Spock know some stuff, and just, like, remembering like and viewing how they were in episode two, two of season two, uh, whenever all the courtroom drama was going, I kind of liked it. I think it, I think it like added a little bit to the story and kind of made an already brilliant episode maybe a little bit better in some ways, just by knowing the weightiness that was behind two of the characters. Um, like we talked about the the color palette and just like the different you know cover art and just. Um, you know, each of the th- of the things that we see in each of the issues, I thought it was very well done. Um, but, you know, like, I think the, the dumb little pet peeve of mine, like, had to do, like, with the statue. Like, if, if the atmosphere is really that bad, you know, and, like, how can, like, a, a statue, a ziggurat or whatever, last that long, potentially? Because, like, that's a long time ago um, that that had to have been there. So I thought there was some smart stuff like we talked about, you know, like the reversing the polarity piece. That was kind of cool. We had I think we had Pike in good form, like with his command stuff. Um, That was cool. Uh, I think, you know, like the um, the engineering piece was like uh, or the operations piece would have been like the polarity piece um, uh, and also kind of like the science as well. Um, you know, Pike being the Boy Scout, right? And like always, you know, caring about his friends and his crew and like willing to put, you know, Porta Johns, you know, off to the side so he can go, you know, try and get information to clear his friend. I thought it was good. I thought we were, you know, being honest to like the characters as we know them. And I, I don't, I wouldn't give this a five by any means. Um, but I did think this was a pretty decent, fun story. Um, it did go kind of fast, uh, maybe a little too fast for my liking. I would have, I don't know if I, if I would want this to be one more issue. I think it's kind of like in that like weird spot where like four is maybe too short, but five is too much. So like, I don't know what the right amount would be. Like if I just need to be content with four issues or not, but because like it did feel Unresolved, both in a good way and a not so good way. Uh, I think that's something that you, you really have to like weigh out yourself in terms of like how that affects your experience reading the story 
and how it fits into Strange New Worlds um, overall. Um, so, yeah, David, I'm kind of in the ballpark um, like you are with this, uh, but I'm, I'm cool with giving it just a solid four, honestly. Um, I think that's, I think it's a fair number. Um, I think this is a, a fun, funnish story and, um, I'd recommend it. Um, it's strange new worlds. I mean, like I can't get enough strange new worlds as far as I'm concerned. So that gives us a, an overall average rating of a 3.95 for this comic book. Um, so not bad for our first, you know, series review, basically. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Better than some of the books we've read. That's for dang sure. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Which is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, we've had a few. We've had, had a few, a few doozies. Man. Yeah. Well, uh, I ain't got anything else. So, that's it. Well, thanks for reading a, a comic book with me. We um, we have some more books that we need to tackle. Um, but, one thing I will point out is on the back of issue four, I did get a little interested in wanting to read this comic book. <laughs> the Defiant... Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that too. That was that looked inter- interesting. Kind of looks like you get a little bit of lore and old Spock and well, what 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 was it? Um, ah, crap! What was the book? It was the book with Worf on the cover, but not really about Worf. But we got that little thing about like Worf and Spock, like maybe doing something. And we we're like, ooh, we want the Worf and Spock story. Is that yeah. that? No, oh man, hold on. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I can't, I can't remember that. That had been some time ago. I'm trying to see the dang thing. <laughs> it's nice to have your bookcase. Shadow, it's like, shadow. It's called Shadows Have Offended. Ah, that's right. Shadows have offended. Yeah, yeah that was that was an interesting one. But yeah, that that had that little snippet about something they had done something together. It's like, well. I want to know what that is. Maybe it's this, yeah. So yeah, maybe we will we'll do another comic book series. Who knows? Um, it it's already launched. By the way, it launched in March of 2023. So there's at least a couple issues that are out. Who knows? Maybe it's all out by now. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. We'll figure out. Um, Another book. We have um, we have a couple um, to knock out. I know we have an original series book to do. Uh, we also um, will eventually get to the Rafi book uh, from Star Trek Picard. Yeah, uh, maybe. sure. We're, we're, we're going to jump right into that one. Totally. Um, and then maybe like another comic book series, like I was saying. So, uh, David, as always, thank you, my man. And um, for all you out there in listener land, um, if you read this, we'd love to hear your thoughts, you know, and your opinions of as well as, well as any other comics or books that you'd recommend that we check out for um, our next book review or comic book series review. Um, but that's it. Um, if you liked what you heard, check us out, trtvpod.com. Of course, you can learn more about us there. Support us on uh, Patreon if you want to, you know, help keep the lights on, so to speak, for us. Um, you can also, um, you know, email us directly, trtvpod at gmail.com. Or sense of voice only transmission eight one seven seven five two four seven five seven. Remember, there's a three minute limit uh, before we get turned into Spock Rock, and whew, that'd be weird. Um, and if you want to mail us something, um, I don't know, just cookies or something, that's cool. 
Uh, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azle, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and make it so.